I'll stay on the porch Blow the whistle Blow the whistle Blow the whistle Blow the whistle Where you get that from? Brad or Mike spit one Let me hit that blind Pimp C, 8 ball and MJG Keep spitting that P to the IMP Bun B, that's Texas, baby Ballin' G, that's Memphis, baby Short dog, that's Business and Buckets, fam. We are live. Episode 129 coming at you on this beautiful Tuesday evening in the Valley. And I am your host, Shane Gillette. Again, episode 129 with a lot of MMA action coming on this weekend. Some Apex events, a little bit of Bellator action, uh, the Ryan Garcia fight we could talk a little bit about. And uh, get ready for this rebrand as it's coming soon. Uh, but before we talk MMA, let's talk the one and only sponsor here at the Business and Buckets podcast, Fueled Supplements. So health is wealth. Keep your immune system strong, reduce cortisol, detoxify your body on a cellular level, relive chronic joint pain, and increase your overall energy and vitality with Fueled Supplements wellness products. Fueled multivitamins and Fueled Greens is the immunity combo your body needs to be and stay at your best. You could always make more money, but you can't always get back your health. So start today and save a little cash when you invest in yourself in your future by using code BUCKETS for 15% off, fueledsupplements.com. Once again, promotion code BUCKETS, B-U-C-K-E-T-S. Check it out. The best place on the web for sports and wellness products. Can't, um, you know, promote them uh, as, as much as I uh, really promote them enough. It's helping small business, high quality products, good pricing, save a little money while doing so. So... We have a slate of fights that have been announced as the summer cards are getting built out. International Fight Week 288, 289. And we have Khalil Roundtree Jr. taking on Chris Dawkins in UFC 289. Uh, Chris is moving down to light heavyweight. We're seeing this with a few of the guys that just haven't been able to hang with the top 10 in the heavyweight division. That should be a banger. Mike Malott versus Adam Fugit, UFC 289. The Canadian-born fighter uh, getting a show off in the in the hometown crowd in Vancouver. Alex Caceres, Daniel Pineda, June third. Really good to see Alex back in there after his last fight got postponed or or you know injury injury pullout. Luan Lacerda versus Demond Blackshear, June third as well. Punahili Soriano back in action against Cedricus Dumas, June twenty fourth. Little contender series alumni battle. And then the big-time event, Gilbert Burns, Bilal Muhammad, UFC 288, five-round main event, the title shot on the line with the winner here. Uh, the number one contender is really just eliminating themselves. Sean Strickland versus Absupian Magomedov, July 1st. That fight came out of nowhere. Sean Strickland's always active, no surprise here. Marvin Vittori, Jared Cannonier, June 17th, and Robert Whitaker, Versus Dricus Duplessis, UFC 290 International Fight Week. The best guys in the middleweight division. Uh, really, with matchups that haven't, you know, been been made yet. It's kind of crazy to think Vittori hasn't taken on the Killer Gorilla, and then Duplessis, who someone thought some thought might be fighting for the title, taking on the the long-standing number one contender. Those are going to be amazing scraps. Robbie Lawler, Nico Price, UFC 290, getting that international fight card even more in depth. And then the fight that was supposed to happen, 
and Jalen Turner with back-to-back international fight nights. Jalen Turner taking on Dan Hooker, UFC 290. And then Sean Brady, Jack Della Maddalena, UFC 290. This card is getting deep. Uh, Rayoni Barcelos, Miles Johns, June 17th. Muslim Salikov versus Nicholas Dalby, June 17th. And then Walt Harris versus Josh Parisian, July 15th. And Tyson Nam versus Azat Maksum, July 15th as well. Amazing cards or amazing fights. Uh, deep card on International Fight Week. Lots going on. And elsewhere in MMA news, the viral video of Nate Diaz choking out a guy of Jake Paul's crew has a warrant for his arrest in Louisiana after second degree. Um, I think it's not assault, but, you know, second degree, good enough to, to have to warrant his thing. Nate Diaz, uh, Nate Diaz's lawyer came out and said that they're, you know, trying to figure some things out. Um, but, but no fun there. Uh, it was kind of funny to watch the videos. I mean, I don't have a lot to say about it. It's Nate Diaz doing Nate Diaz things. I'm sure he'll be okay and he'll get away with it. And then uh, with the recent retirement of Jorge Masvidal, he went viral uh, announcing a BKFC event or a bare-knuckle fighting event under game-bred fighting May 5th, Ciclo de Mayo back in Florida. Headlined by a big one, we got Roy Nelson. And <laughs> who else? Who else is Roy Nelson fighting? Let's see. Roy Nelson... Knuckle against Dylan uh, Klecker, uh, a guy that has a good heavy or a good uh, BK uh, record. So that'll be a, a great thing to see. He's doing boxing, bare knuckle, uh, you know, a little bit of MMA. He's doing everything and anything. And now he could devote all of his time towards it as he is a retired fighter. Um, Bellator 294 and 295 happened this weekend. I did not know there was two events back-to-back days, Friday, Saturday, Bellator trying to sweep the headlines. I did not even know about 294 until I started seeing the results come in. Uh, but on Friday in Hawaii, Liz Carmouche, uh, defending her title and defeating Deanna Bennett, Bennett via arm triangle in round four. She complained about Deanna missing weight, but Liz Carmouche, uh, reigned supreme. Another ex-UFC fighter, Sarah McMahon, defeats Arlene Blenko via unanimous decision. And then the big, the big, probably the best fight on the card, Danny Sabatello defeats Marcos Breno via rear naked choke in round two. The big dog card going down on Saturday, Bellator 295. The huge headline, Patchy Mix defeating Rafian Stotts. Not just defeating him, but defeating him in spectacular fashion via round one knockout, a nasty knee finish. And Patchy Mix looking like the real deal. Ex-UFC fighter Yancey Medeiros fighting Charlie Leary via rear naked choke round one. And then Aaron Pico defeats James Gonzalez via unanimous decision. And another ex-UFCer Kai Kamaka defeated Oddly Edwards via unanimous decision. But really, uh, Patchy entering his name into must-see TV and Bellator. And guys that could potentially hang around in the UFC if they were there. Uh, but Bellator having a great weekend of fights. Again, the big headline, Patchy Mix getting the dub. Elsewhere, this past weekend in MMA, the major boxing uh, showdown, Gervonta Take Davis defeating Ryan King Garcia via round seven TKO, uh, a body shot that had a delayed reaction that he could not get up from. 
And to me, it's all the drama that's happened outside of the fight. I got to stream the fight while I was on uh, Lake Havasu with my family. First time in Lake Havasu, fun place. Um, beautiful weather, hella boats. It was, it was pretty wild. But I'm streaming it, and uh, I thought it was a good fight. You know, it, it's the exact fashion you'd think it would come out. Ryan pushing the pace, trying to control the scorecards. Gervonta waiting for his shots. Um, he did drop Ryan earlier in, in round two. Uh, was it, barely clipped him, got down, got right back up. But Ryan was doing some damage. The younger fighter, I, I think, who's going to be the better fighter in Ryan, Ryan Garcia, um, has a lot of drama coming into this and some things that might have played into the final uh, decision or final result as um, there was rumor of there being him having a mole in, in his camp that was telling Gervonta's camp what's going on. Uh, a sparring partner, he even went viral saying that, you know, it, it was what it was, uh, but hurting his body in camp, let Gervonta's team knew about it. Obviously, they're focused on body shots throughout the rounds. That paid dividends, ended up getting the finish that way. Uh, take all the ribs stuff aside. You don't even know how injured he was coming into the fight or not. I would have loved to see how that fight played out. I am sure we will see them in the future, if not an automatic rematch. In boxing, though, you would never expect that. They might hype this fight up years later. But both fighters looking like the real deal. Um, but, you know, Ryan would have definitely won the fight if it went to square cards, in my opinion. Other than that, this weekend, we have a BKFC event in Denver, Colorado. 4 p.m. Pacific uh, main, start card, main card start. Uh, Mike Perry, Luke Rockhold, fully UFC brass. Chad Mendes, Eddie Alvarez. I mean, those two fights alone, that's where it's at. But they do have a big championship bout, Christine Ferreira versus Beck Rawlings uh, uh, for one of the championships. So you want to see some retired ex-UFC fighters go and throw down. Um, I think the Chad Mendes, Eddie Alvarez uh, fight should be enough in itself. But Mike Perry, Luke Rockhold, that'll be uh, very intriguing to see how Luke does because you know Mike's savage and he's going to come for you. But this weekend we had the first Apex card in a while, Las Vegas 71. I went 6-1-1 one, one in my picks. Uh, not really excited about the, the the drawing version of this, but had a good week after a, a pretty brutal card last week, one of the worst of the year. There's some pretty decent fights in the card that we didn't break down uh, early. William Gomez had a split decision victory over Francis Marshall. Montel Jackson with a quick round one knockout over Ronnie Yahya. That was performance of the night as well as Christos Giagos with a round one knockout over Ricky Glenn, another performance of the night. And then Jer Jeremiah Wills had a split decision over Matthew Semmelsberger and Muhammad Usman with a very boring decision, unanimous decision victory over Junior Taffa, who looks like he could clang and bang. Um, and, and both guys could linger around and, and move their way up. But we're going to start in the prelims. We had Brady Highstand with a round three TKO over Batgirl, Dana, and Dana training out of um, Fight Ready here in Phoenix, looking uh, well-prepared against the Ultimate Fighter finalist and a young Brady training out of Spokane, the Sikh Jitsu camp. And besides Brady getting dropped in round one, he got clipped, he got back up, showed he could handle through adversity. Um, he had a pretty solid round one. Route two definitely went to Dana's way as he damn near finished Brady. But Brady was able to dig deep. One of the traits that we're seeing early on in his UFC career that he will outlast you. He will be physically prepared. And I honestly think Dana kind of just gave up in round three, 
Once Brady got another takedown, was able to control him, had him up against the cage. He didn't want to be there. I think he ran out of gas. So if anything, not only does Brady have the skill, he has the durability, the willingness to dig deep, and the gas tank. Uh, at such a young age, he could be a problem in a very good bantamweight division. Statistically, Brady landed 96 total strikes, 45 of those significant. He did have three takedowns in seven attempts. And uh, Dana had 92 total strikes, 41 of those significant, with a takedown, reversal, and knockdown. Um, round one was very iffy. Obviously, Dana got round two, uh, Brady round three. So if it would have went to scoring and the judges' scorecards, who knows what would have happened. But Brady was able to get the finish and, and then leave it up to the judges. So Brady extends his winning streak to two. He is two and one in the UFC. Dana extends his losing streak to three. Hasn't won since October of 2021. Definitely looked well and improved, uh, but just not quite enough. And sometimes when it comes to fighting, it's just who can outlast the other guy. That's really what it can come down to. Now, um, what's next? I, you know, Brady called for Christian Rodriguez. I think that's the, a great matchup, so I'm not even going to debate that. Let's make that one happen. And for Dana, if he is still with the UFC, how about Fernando Garcia? But either way, good things from Brady Highstand. Highs and lows for sure. Got that fight correct in the pickums, And also in the prelims, we had Norma Dumont with the unanimous decision over Carol Hosa. And, uh, you know, it was definitely a slow starting fight. Uh, I started picking up a little bit in the second, especially with Dumont. She got pretty comfortable with her hands. Uh, started letting loose a little bit. And really, there just wasn't a lot of stuff happening. I mean... Technically, these two girls for the featherweight division, which lacks a lot of depth in the UFC, you put on a, a spectacular finish or a showing here, you, you get your chance to fight Amanda Nunez for the belt. And I didn't feel like either woman really showcased that they wanted to, to have that and like put everything on the line to make that happen. Um, you know, the, the judging really could have gone either way. They did give it to Norma. So the stats are definitely off leading as Norma had... Uh, Rosa up against the cage for most of the fight, and she was just kind of tapping her, not doing any damage whatsoever. Um, but I just thought I would see more from two veteran women, been in the UFC for a long time, this is your shot, and that they just seemed gun-shy. Uh, statistically, Norma landed 63 total strikes, 35 of those significant, did get a takedown, and uh, Hosa had 144 total, so a lot more total, but again, 33 significant compared to Norma's 35. Out of those 144, I, yeah, not very much happening. Um, but she did get the knockdown, knock was 0 for 2 in takedown attempts. That was her highlight. So going to the judges, you just weren't sure what was going to happen. I thought Norma deservedly won that fight, but that's not really pleading her case of why you need to fight Amanda Nunez. Um, but Norma does extend her winning streak to 2. She is an impressive 5-2 and two since the beginning of 2020. Been active. Uh... Carroll starts a new losing streak and is 3-2 and two since the beginning of 2021. Now, if Norma does get the title fight, great. Uh, but I could see her having to fight again. How about Josian, Josian, Josian Nunez? And for Hosa, you know, she's been moving around weight classes. I assume she returns to bantamweight with this loss. So Julia Avila would make sense to me. I'm sure we'll see her active this summer. Uh, she, she's been pretty active of late. Then in the main card, the uh, just weird situation, Bobby Green with the no contest against Jared Gordon was really dominating the fight, led in with his head, knocked Jared down, 
Um, he landed some big shots after that. They got the finish. They gave him a finish. Originally reviewed the tape and gave it a no contest. Um, I don't know. When a guy's dominating the fight, it was potentially his retirement fight. With so much on the line, everything Bobby Green's done for the promotion. The no contest is kind of hard hard for me to sit. Um, I don't really know what you do. I don't know the ruling. I haven't seen this situation very often. Um, I don't think he got knocked out by the headshot. You know, that wasn't the one that really delivered all the damage, in my in my opinion. Dicey situation. Could have been a DQ. Could have went a lot of ways. It's just, I just hate seeing that for Bobby Green, uh, especially how dominant he was. Uh, statistically, Bobby landed 23 total insignificant strikes. He was 0 for 1 in takedowns. Jared landed 17 total insignificant, 0 for 1 in takedowns as well. Per usual, Bobby, hands low, just pop, pop, firing off. And Jared wasn't going to be able to strike with him throughout the whole fight anyways. So Bobby doesn't get it, you know, end, end with a, uh, a losing streak. I mean, it's a, it's a draw. It's a losing streak. You call it what it is. He's won two and one since the beginning of 2022. And Jared can't get a win back, but he does move to one, two, and one since the beginning of 2022 as well. So uh, those guys got to be eager to get back in there and write things off. Bobby hasn't talked about retirement. He said he's going to retire Bobby Green. He's just going to be known by King. So maybe he won't be retiring anytime soon. I would love to see him back in the octagon. I know he was pissed off about the money situation as it's a no contest. Um, yeah, uh, lots of just... This kind of put a weird taste in your mouth for the whole card. Um, but let's say uh, Bobby Green does keep fighting. How about Ismail Bonfim, uh, the young stud coming up, getting a true veteran. And although Bobby's won two and one since 2022, he's, he's fought real time talent, short notice, done everything again. It just, it does not. If I'm Bobby, I'm hot as well. I don't blame him. Give him a young guy. Let things get back on track if he wants. And for Jared... He could take on Faris Ziam. Um, tough situation for him. No contest, getting hit in the head. Uh, the Patty Pimblet fight, I mean, these guys can't catch a break. Then we had the fight that I got wrong. Bruno Silva with a round one knockout over Brad Tavares. Performance of the night. Like I said, Bruno, man, if he finds the right moment, he can knock anyone out, and that's really what it was. Um, round one was pretty competitive. Both guys landing good strikes. Um... It seemed like it was going to be a striking affair. Not really uh, much wrestling. I thought Brad would have went to push Bruno up against the cage sooner. You know, maybe grind on him a little bit. Uh, but statistically, Brad landed 15 total insignificant strikes. Bruno had 24 total. 23 of those significant had that knockdown that, that ended up getting the knockdown, knockout. Um, but again, keeping the theme of weird and, and just kind of dicey. Pretty early stoppage, if you ask me. Brad Tavares, the fights he's been in, you know, Duplessis recently, all the things that have happened. He got sat down, and I know you get sit down and it can look vicious, but he was still moving. He was keeping alive, and they called it right away. Uh, you got to give him a little bit more of a chance. Um, I, I thought that was a bad stoppage. So Brad extends his losing streak to two. He is two and two since the beginning of 2021. Hasn't been super active. That's got to be tough towards the later years of your UFC career. And then Bruno... Good, good to get back in the win column. Two after a two-fight losing streak, he is four and two though since the beginning of 2021. So keeping that good momentum going. So let's keep it going. Give me Bruno Silva, Joe Pfeiffer this summer. That would be bonkers. Probably no room for International Fight Week, but the next big card. And for Brad, give us Gregory 
RoboCop fucking Rodriguez, who he was once booked against anyways. And if you ask me, that's some fucking must-see TV, both of those fights. But if Bruno's stepping in or Brad, I, I, I'm usually tuning in. I, I wish we could have saw this fight go a little longer, but it is what it is. Then the main event of the evening. I hammered a two-underdog parlay. That was my bet for the weekend um, where I was in Lake Havasu. Apparently, you can't bet. It's like right on a reservation or something. Um, but Pavlovich being the underdog, I wanted to hammer that, and I wanted to hammer Ryan Garcia. Got the Pavlovich, not the Garcia, but a spectacular round one knockout by Pavlovich, who was seen in the casino playing slots. And when they interviewed him and asked him about it afterwards, he would won some money, try to keep winning, lost it all. But obviously, not too many uh, jitters before this fight. He gets a performance of the night, 50 G's as well. And golly, is he a problem. Why Curtis wanted to just sit there and clang and bang with the guy that just flurries at you and has amazing power, I'm not too sure. You know, the, the guys that he's lost to previously and Ganu twice, uh, Derek Lewis catching him coming in for a takedown. You got to stick to your strength sometime. And, and Pavlovich does have good grappling, and he, he shucked one of the takedown attempts that Curtis had, but you got to go for it a, a couple more times, make him think about it, so he can't just come at you like he did. Uh, but golly, Sergey's a problem, man. 36 total insignificant strikes to get the job done with that knockdown. Uh, Curtis landed 14 total insignificant while going 0 for 1 in takedown attempts. I had a feeling it might play out this way, but I thought Curtis would be smarter than that at this point in time. But balls to him. He said, what do I got to do to get a title shot? For, fight Pavlovich. All right, let's do it. He's always game. But Sergey extends his winning streak to six. He is six and one in the UFC. He moves up one spot, spot in the rankings to number two. And Curtis has his three-fight winning streak come to an end. He does start a new losing streak and stays at number four in the rankings. Now, a lot of people are clamoring for Pavlovich, John Jones. Guys, especially the world of social media and MMA Twitter, everyone's, like, attention span and memory bank is, like, two days old. Like... John Jones is not going to fight Sergey Pavlovich. He's never been a champion. Why the fuck would he fight him? Stipe Miocic is known as one of the best heavyweights of all time. Uh, probably a retirement fight for both guys. Big payday. Good story. Makes no sense. It ain't happening. Believe that. Um, but um, I don't know. If that's not the case, he's probably going to have to let things shake out a little bit. Let's say John and Stipe do fight late summer. John wins. They both retire. There's going to be an interim thing going on. Maybe it'll be Cyril Gunn, Sergey Pavlovich. That might be the fight to make anyways. That would be a fun fucking fight. Um, uh, it's, it's much like the Nganu, Cyril Gunn episode. And uh, for Blades, he's definitely in a tough spot. So with him fighting everyone ahead of him and around him, the fight that makes sense is a dance with Ty. Bam, bam, to Avasa. Either way, the top of the heavyweight division, you're tuning in. Shit's going down, and it went down. Sergey Pavlovich, man. A motherfucking problem. Watch out. Another Apex card this weekend. UFC Vegas Fight Night 72. Another 4 p.m. Pacific start on ESPN+. Plus. Prelims at 1 p.m., but you can get them on ESPN2 if you're not an ESPN Plus subscriber. And to be honest, another pretty shallow card. They moved one of the fights from this what was supposed to happen this last week to the main event. Um, some fights have already been canceled, but you do have Haley Cohen, a Dana White contender series alum and LFA alum fighting to start the night. She's worth tuning into. Brian Kelher's fighting. He's been around for a while. Always fighting young up and comers. 
Stephanie Ager, who could be a legit uh, fighter on the women's side of things, fighting pretty solid scrap with Charles Johnson and Cody Durden at flyweight. Uh, Julian Arosa's fighting. He'd ended up getting back into the main card, but he's fighting a guy making his UFC debut that I didn't know a lot about, so really wasn't going to break that down. Arosa's going to need a win here, though. And Martin Boudet versus Jake Collier in the prelims. But we're starting right in the main card, baby. We got Marcos Rogerio Pizau de Lima, the 37-year-old freight train with a 29-1 record, taking on Walto Cortez Salsa Boy Acosta, the 31-year-old fighter with an undefeated 9-0 record. And again, uh, the big dogs at the heavyweight, you know what to expect. It's going to be fun. You know, don't blink. I think this is going to be a fun fight, your typical back-and-forth heavyweight affair. Now, Marcos trains out of American Top Team. He has a black belt in BJJ. He is an Ultimate Fighter Brazil alum. He's on a one-fight winning streak and is 3-1 and one since the beginning of uh, 2021. Not super active. Uh, but 14 of his 20 wins are via knockout, 5 of his 8 losses via submission, which is interesting. And he does have a 5-inch reach advantage. Now, Waldo is undefeated, 3-0 and in the UFC. He is a Contender Series LFA and Bellator alum, and four of his nine wins are via knockout. Waldo's definitely on a roll and has proved me wrong already in his UFC career. You know, he's in his prime, really packs a punch, comes from a boxing background. But the problem is Lima's a big dog and packs a punch as well. He's fought a little bit of everywhere against some high-level competition, middleweight, light heavyweight. He has that rounded out experience where he can mix in his grappling and BJJ. For that reason, I'm taking the veteran. I'm taking Marcos Rogeria de Lima. I am not putting him on a parlay, though. Not that confident. Then we have Rodolfo, the black belt Hunter Vieira. 33-year-old fighter with an 8-2 record, taking on Cody Brundage, the 28-year-old fighter with an 8-3 record. And this is just a showdown of two men with not a lot of UFC fights under their belt um, that have had, had mixed results throughout their MMA career. But obviously, Rodolfo, the black belt hunter, uh, one of the best grapplers you could find, and Cody Brundage trying to uh, keep some momentum going in the UFC, uh, not even in his prime yet. Now, Rodolfo has a BJJ background with a black belt. He won gold in the 2015 ADCC World Championships, which is creme de la creme. Uh, to win gold at. So again, one of the best grapplers on the freaking planet. And he's got gold medals in the European ADCC, Pan American, Abu Dhabi circuits. The guy is a fucking problem uh, in the grappling department. He also is an IBJJF world champion, 2011 through 14, three years running. In his MMA career, he's on a one fight losing streak. He is one and two since the beginning of 2021. And seven of his eight wins are via submission. Now, Cody is an orthodox fighter. He has a blue belt in BJJ. He's on a one-fight losing streak, but was 2-1 in 2022. Four of his eight wins are via knockout, three via submission. So seven of his eight wins are via finish, which is impressive. And two of his three losses are via knockout. I mean, clearly, Rodolfo is going to have the grappling advantage probably against anyone he steps in there with. But can he get the fight to where he wants it to be? Cody's pretty good everywhere. Probably has a striking advantage, but not by much. I am taking Rodolfo, but I'm not putting him on a parlay. Not that confident here. Moving on, we got KO, uh, the natural Baralho, 
30-year-old fighter with a 13-1 record, taking on Michael Hussar Olesuk, something like that. (laughs) You can hear it. I can hear the way it's supposed to be said. I'm looking at it, and it just, Olesuk. 28 years old with an 18-5 record. Now we get two men, younger men, with a ton of potential in the middleweight division, pretty much in their prime. A win here really puts these guys in a great position to make a title run while they're in the primes of their lives. A loss here really kind of derails where you're headed and the trajectory that you're on. Um, KO is on a 12-fight winning streak. He is 5-0 and in the UFC, and he has won most of his fights by unanimous decision. Wrestling heavy. Um, McCall has fought at light heavyweight for a while. He is on a two-fight winning streak. 13 of his 18 wins are via knockout. Three of his five losses via submission. He was 2-1 in 2022, but 2-0 at middleweight. So definitely uh, tested the waters of a little bit everywhere. Now, I think this is going to be Oleg Shuk's toughest test at middleweight, especially since KO uh, is going to look to wrestle and grapple early. Um, we will see if he has a gas tank and cardio to get the job done. That's going to be the intriguing thing. But I'm taking Barajo, the natural. Again, not confident enough to put this on a parlay. Then the uh, short notice main event, not a short notice fight, but transition of a week. We get Song, the Kung Fu Kid Yadong, 25-year-old fighter with a 19-7-1 record and the number eight next to his name, taking on Ricky Simone, the 30-year-old fighter with a 20-3 and record and the number 10 next to his name. Really here, the story is it's a clash of styles. A ton on, a, on the line for both men. Obviously more so for Simon as he is in his prime, or Simone. Um, and not many strikers have wanted to match up with him. So he's been, I think, struggling to get opponents. It's pretty fucking wild to think Song Yadong's only 25 years old with all he's accomplished in the UFC. Uh, a loss here obviously set him back. I guess, you know, he's got plenty of years ahead of him. Um, but I think he's ready and eager to uh, test his skills with the best. So Song, he has a Sanda background. He trains out of Team Alpha Male. He was the 2011 Sanda champion and placed fifth in Muay Thai. He's on a one-fight losing streak, but before that he was on a three-fight winning streak, and eight of his 19 wins are via knockout. Now Ricky trains out of Syndicate MMA. He has a black belt in BJJ. He is an LFA alum and former champion, a contender series Titan FC and King of the Cage alum, and he is on a five-fight winning streak. Now, Ricky's definitely going to look to avoid the big shots, most likely try to get a takedown and tire out Song, but I'm really seri- curious to see if he can get that accomplished. Song's really worked on his takedown defense and is, is much improved, and I honestly think the longer the fight drags on, the more it will become a striking affair, which I believe favors Song. Song has definitely been in deep waters before. He's battled with you know really talented guys like Corey Sandhagen, and both fighters are full of momentum. And confidence. They've had good wins and good wars lately. Ricky's coming off very impressive wins against Jack Shore and Rafael Asuncao. So it's going to be intriguing. I just have a gut feeling Song Yadong is going to find a way to not just get, you know, uh, grappled and held down for the whole fight. And he's going to outscore him or potentially get the finish. Either way, a lot on the line for these guys in a very stacked bantamweight. It's hard to move up those rankings. I'm taking Song, not putting him on a parlay. But it's a good, fun headliner to get you psyched up in the MMA world. Um, 
Again, BKFC happening on Saturday as well. But, you know, these Apex cards are kind of mad. They're happening. We keep getting fights. Not mad about it. But next weekend, UFC 288 in New Jersey. The big bantamweight showdown. Aljamain Sterling, Henry Cejudo, your boy Sugar Sean getting the winner of this fight. So lots on the line. Can't wait to break that down. Get into some deep quality fights. Um, again, episode 129, rebranding coming soon. I'm your host, Shane Gillette. See you guys next week.